Hello everyone and welcome to the fifth episode of the Answer Podcast with me, Daniel Dancer. Today we are joined by Rita Tajau and she's going to tell us all about her life and how her spiritual journey started. How are you doing, Rita? Are you okay? I'm good, yeah, thanks. Good it's good to see um, you. So just to start off with, give us a little bit about yourself, your background and how everything came into place for you. Okay. Um, so I was born in Portugal, um, and I've lived a little bit all around the world. I've, I've lived nomadically for, uh, 22 years, uh, traveling to over 100 countries and I'm a psychotherapist and I focus a lot of, of my work in the spiritual side of psychotherapy. And I also take people traveling and I also make the trips about spirituality and connection to nature. Um, yeah, so my spirituality, um, the, the clear start of my spiritual path came uh, when I was around 15. I felt very confused. I felt that there was more to life than what I could see in the culture around me and in society. And I was really restless. I, I just, I couldn't stop until I found something. And so when I was 17, at the same time that I started studying psychology, I started uh, studying Tibetan Buddhism. And that was the beginning of a journey that never stopped in deeper and deeper oh, wow. parts of spirituality. You're over a hundred countries. You ever been to the UK? Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I've like, lived in the like UK, it? actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like the UK. Whereabouts, oh, yeah, I love whereabouts it. Whereabouts did um, you live in the UK? Yes, absolutely. So I've lived in London. I, I studied, uh, I did a, a second master's in, in London and I lived in the north of Scotland in a spiritual okay. community called Fintron. What, what, which one did you prefer, London or north of Scotland? Yeah, oh. yeah I bet. It's <laughs> nice. North of it's Scotland. so nice. Up there, isn't it? It's just, um, I'm, I'm yeah. not a big city person. Uh, so London was, I loved studying in London and, and loved, um, you know, there are aspects of life in London that I love, but I wouldn't stay longer because I'm really not uh, yeah, someone yeah, but, who thrives yeah. in big cities. Yeah, so it's hard. It's hard over there. It's hard. I must be hard living in London. Actually, we're going to probably circle back to this because um, my second near-death experience was oh, okay. what took me wow. out of London. Look forward to it. Actually. <laughs> yeah. And point. I see that you're also, before we start getting into the stories and that, you've, um, you've got something new in Japan, haven't you? Yes, I actually oh, really? just launched it today. Um, I'm going to take um, a group of 10 people with me uh, to the north of Japan. And actually, it's interesting because um, that trip is also, it's a very special trip where we do a lot of quiet time and nature connection and there's a lot of spirituality and at, we end the trip in a very uh, sacred place in Japan where there are three mountains that um, represent the journey of birth, life oh, wow. and rebirth. So it's also always connected. It's like I'm always looking for more and more um, in this journey since I've yeah, know, yeah. Been to the other side. Oh, that's and brilliant. Back, we'll, so. we'll, we'll get more on that in the end as well. And we'll you put in your links and stuff and how people can look at it. And then we'll, we'll do oh, that great. in the end as well. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, thank you. Um, so yeah, so you, you were telling me that you've had three near death experiences. So if you if you can, we could talk us through some of them. That'd be great. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, so I guess that would be quite natural to me um is that the three of them happened 
uh, while I was traveling, you know, because I, I was pretty much traveling constantly for 22 years. Um, so the first one is going to take us to South America. And I was in, in the Amazonian, Amazonian jungle in Ecuador. And I was somewhere really remote. This, this was really not a touristy place at all. I was just living with a local family uh, that had uh, a shaman uh, with whom I developed a really good uh, relationship. And I actually had uh, an ayahuasca ceremony there without knowing it was ayahuasca because this was back in the year 2000 where there wasn't so much talk mm -hmm. about all of this. Um, and then a week or two weeks after that, I, um, I got malaria. So I was there with this lovely uh, indigenous people and in this jungle where I had gotten quite comfortable. This was also after one year of traveling in South America. So I was very grounded. I was very uh, in touch with that land, which I think was really important for that experience. And so I, I started having malaria and I completely went somewhere else. And of course, all portals had be, been open with the ayahuasca ceremony just two weeks before that. And I had, I, I mean, I was, I was in one of the most vibrant, like pulsating places on earth with all that nature, you know, the sound of the jungle, the snakes, all, all of that aliveness. And so when I started dying, let's say, because uh, th there was a period of like a week or so of having uh, intense hallucinations and being in and out of life and death. Um, then there was a clear period when it was different. Things kind of changed in their... Almost like it went from air and this awareness of shape to something else and i could really feel that i was dying um but it's not like feeling like here you know i can feel i can look around i can see things you know i feel where i'm sitting i can very easily feel the clothes i'm wearing uh, when i say i feel that i was dying it's a completely different perspective of what is happening because it's not coming through any of these senses that we're very used to having reality come to us through. It was just a pure happening. Um, and I felt that I was being pulled towards something else, somewhere else. It, it did actually feel very much like a place not a place as we can see a place here but it did feel that there was another kind of location to it and i was being pulled towards it and i started seeing um oh, it was just so vivid this uh, image i started seeing uh, photos of my my people in my family this little black and white photos that don't exist they were just from from that experience and they started kind of coming in front of me and going away just kind of disappearing and each time a new photo a new black and white photo would come i would thank this person say say my respects and say goodbye and i started letting go of all of those people uh, 
And there was something quite touching in that moment that it wasn't painful. You know, I I love each one of of uh, those people that were showing up in the photos. And if I think about it now, the idea of separating myself from them is painful. I mean, I know it will happen, but there is some suffering involved with it, in it. But at that time, it didn't. It was just uh, almost like... Uh, a bond that was just getting lighter or and and kind of fading and i was changing or ceasing to have shape or any connection or presence in the same way here and it felt very very gentle uh, but then what what happened was or at least the way i remember it now or i made sense of it was um, the shaman, um, which had become um, my friend while I was there, um, called me back. Like he very strongly called me back. And I started, the first thing I saw was, this is really interesting because I, I knew the shaman um, with a name, but the word they used was not a Spanish word. It was a Quechua, not Quechua, but Quechua word. And I only knew the word and I didn't know what it meant. So I started seeing a big anaconda. And later I found out that the name of the shaman was actually anaconda. So I believe that he was calling me back. And then what I started, the first thing I really saw with my senses was just that lush, lush, like the the green and the noises and i started feeling the animals and just the trees and all of that and then i f i found myself back in my body again but i was very very confused because at that time i was how old was i i think i was was i 22 i think i was 22 21 or 22 <clears throat> and i didn't have it was my first direct experience with this so it was actually rather confusing because I didn't have much of, you know, I didn't really, I, I couldn't understand what was going on. So it was like a very wild experience that transported me somewhere. I said goodbye to people I love. Then I came back. Then I was again in my body, but I didn't have much of a holding for all of this. And um, I was really quite dizzy looking at reality after that, not knowing exactly what I had been through. And, you know, just as context also, this was the year 2000. So it's not like there was YouTube or podcasts or like I couldn't really go and research so much. I was kind of on my own in Amazonia. Uh, actually, no one from back home knew that I was there. Uh, so the whole thing was kind of, okay, now deal with that. You've experienced all of this, deal with it. And yeah, it was yeah. intense. Especially like, were you scared at some point when you were, when you got out, when you say, when you come back into your, and you say you're confused, were you kind of scared? Like, cause obviously mm -hmm. you had no family around you. You're in a different, completely different country. Right. Mm, well, okay. I had been there for a year. I had been traveling South America for a year, so I was quite comfortable. Um, and I was, you know, I, I'm really a full-on nomad, so I was very comfortable um, in that 
kind of context. However, I remember clearly walking out of this place where I had been with uh, with this um, community. And the first time I, I crossed um, a pipe, well, not a road, but like just a kind of something that resembled a road. Um, there was something about contacting people that were from outside of this community um, that was kind of being shocked with a more person-based reality that I had really been kind of thrown out to something else. And I think that could still be quite well held in the community because, you know, this indigenous cultures has like so much understanding of the beyond. But then when I first uh, went and met like civilization again and went to the first town, um, it was quite difficult to go back to being myself. You know, it's me, Rita, in this body, and I have to email my family. And, um, you know, going about the day, doing practical things was just very, very confusing. I didn't feel fear. Like, fear wasn't really a part of it for me then. But just kind of confusion and uh, feeling like I had been somewhere more spacious than what I could contain. Yeah. Somehow. So it was strange. It was yeah. So just going back a little bit experience. for people that are listening who don't know, because I've I've only heard a little bit about um, ayahuasca. Could you give a little explanation on that, just for mm. people? Because I'm I'm not that clued up on it, but I've I've seen videos and and that. But I would, it's one thing I really want to try. Right, right, right. So you know, it's really interesting because um, because I did it in the year two thousand. And I actually, when I went into the ceremony, I did the ceremony. I didn't know what yeah. what it was about, like literally. Um, I I don't know if I can, if I'm like the best person to to describe it so much because I've okay. never done it in any other contexts or even feel very uh, called to doing it. But it is, um, it is a natural hallucinogenic uh, substance that's found in uh, Amazonia. And um, in my experience with it, what it did was it, it really expanded some channels of connection with uh, everything, as in like the everything, like I, I could see beyond what I can usually see. Uh, and it just kind of opened the path to accessing much more information. However, having said this, like I literally had a very, very, beautiful experience with it but i would probably be someone who doesn't do like like i wouldn't do it if i didn't have such a perfect holding for it i was really somewhere in very pristine nature with a community that i had already uh, gotten to know i felt very comfortable with them the shaman was really wonderful Again, this is back in the year 2000, so um, there had the, the, I suppose the industry, let's call it, of ayahuasca being taken to the West had not started or, or was probably starting, but it was definitely not the big thing that it is today. So I guess what I mean by that is I'm not necessarily encouraging uh, people to, um, to just go out and do an ayahuasca uh, experience when, I, when they hear me mentioning it here. I think it's something that to be done needs to be really well organized. Yeah. Um, 
research where it needs a lot of discernment into who's holding it and even what uh, where the substance itself is coming from, because of course, when something becomes yeah, um, commercialized, you know, an industry, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. corruptions can happen. Uh, cool. And so, well, going back to the, your first near death experience, then, so you're saying that about um, you know, pictures going across, was it sort of like because I've heard before, is it like sort of like a was it like a preview of your like sort of like a trailer of like your life that you've had, um, but then you said. And so, what a right? Oh, and yes, and actually, I forgot to mention something that was really important. That there was also um, a fire, like I could see a fire. Uh, it's important because this this actually is a yeah. repetitive thing that shows up for me. So, with the photos, um, it wasn't so much like they were. They were. It was just there were photos of people who were important to me. Um, I wasn't seeing uh, specific situations or um, nothing like that. It wasn't like a video was playing in the photo. It was just a photo of each person showing up at each time. Um, and I, when I look back now, I think maybe what could, um, what I can read in it that maybe I couldn't um, back then is that I, I was actually very much into cinema. Like I would watch, I don't know, three, three good films a week, uh, at least like in the, in the cinema. And I was very used to this way of showing images that is almost like the film is rolling. And there was something in the showing of these images to me that was a little bit like old, um, analogical cinema that's the film was spinning and so one photo would come and then it will kind of fade or disappear to the left side and then another one would roll and would show up yeah. and and that went on for quite some time i guess even if i wasn't seeing things from like experiences from my life when i was saying goodbye to each person i was somehow remembering um rather feelings I had had with, with each person, not so much uh, particular experiences or situations, but just uh, the emotional parts of my connection with yeah. each particular yeah, person. Yeah, it, made me, it made me feel a little bit emotional, actually, when you were talking about it, because, like, uh, what I was thinking is at that time is, mm. like, if it was happening to me, it's, like, obviously seeing, like, my kids and stuff like that, like, I'd, and I'd feel, I'd feel so upset, because if you know that you're going and you know that it's happening, and then obviously seeing your kids, but then as you said, there was no, there was no sadness, was there at all? No, which is really interesting because if if I was doing that here now, I would also feel a huge amount of sadness. I, I'm I'm sure of it, but there was something about that um, particular situation that. Um, I mean, situation doesn't even really define it. It's almost like being in another state. It, it is being in another state. And there's something that that state allows or brings that uh, is not like here. So it's not so much, oh, I'm letting go of this life and I let go of those people and that brings me sadness. It's more like, it's almost like just form is starting to cease and 
with that comes a separation of people who are here in their embodied forms. But that doesn't bring sadness because um, actually in that state, it wasn't really about emotions. It was a whole different awareness. Yeah, yeah I, I, can I can imagine. I can imagine. This in words. I can imagine it being really difficult. And then, like, did you think that yeah. if if you carried on, so say if you did die, would you have said that there is definitely something that you would have gone mm. to, like another place after your... Oh, oh, yes, I could feel it very clearly. It's actually really interesting because at that time, I, I really didn't experience any sense of fear or uh, even kind of anger that I almost died or any, anything like that. It just felt actually quite easy and uh, almost gentle, yeah. which is a strange Adjust word with... to associate with yeah. uh, almost dying. Um, but there was something just very free flowing and, and actually comfortable. And again, I think being so connected with that nature as I was, like I had been there for, for a few weeks, um, and I had been traveling and, and discovering all sorts of like special places in nature for a year. Um, I, I, what I feel is that I was already very connected with a sort of essence part of myself that made it easier to to feel that or to know that I would be okay, uh, even if I would have, yeah. if I would have died. Maybe as I said, it makes yeah. people feel so more com so much so comforting. Sorry, doesn't it? It's like telling stuff like that. So mm. I think we're gonna we'll move on then. If you're happy, yes, we're going to the next one. Yes. <laughs> so where where whereabouts yes. are we going in the world now? <laughs> Three. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to travel. Actually, okay. this one happened in Portugal, but it okay. started in Morocco. So this is back uh, at the time that I was living in London, but I I needed a break, and with my boyfriend, we my boyfriend from back then, we had a van and we drove to Morocco, spent some time in Morocco, but then there was one day. There was this really amazing philosopher that was that I heard he was going to be at my university in London. And so I told Kyle, look, I really need to go back. I have to go as fast as possible. We need to go back to London. And you know, it's still quite a distance, but I was really in a hurry. So we were pretty much like just driving as fast as we could. We stopped in Portugal to say, uh, just to see my family and, and some friends. And then we had all sorts of little things that went wrong in the day when uh, we set off to go and we were pretty much going to do like a straight, like a non-stop trip from Portugal to London. Um, and again, we had like, we forgot something like at someone's house. Then we had a um, problem with the car, like quite a big problem with, with the car while with the van. A few things were really feeling like, mm, I don't know, there's something something strange in the air. But we were like, no, come on, we need to go because I need to be there for that lecture. So we went on. Then I even had an ex-boyfriend calling me uh, while I was in the van and telling me, uh, I don't know where you are, but you need to get out of there. And I was like, what the heck? Like, you know, 
there was just strangeness in the air. It's almost like we were being, I see it now, as warned. if we were being yeah. just kind of warned somehow. Yes, like there's something like you guys are not safe, like do something about it. But we were quite set on heading to London, so we continued on. And then at 1.11 a.m. on the 11th of the 11th month <laughs> in 2008, um, we had um, a very big uh, truck, a lorry, hitting us from like that. He just, it was a lady who was driving and she fell asleep. And then the truck just hit the back of our van and the van started, um, it just started flipping around the highway. And it was a really cool old uh, space Dodge van that had the ceiling that uh, went up. And, uh, and you know, it was just, just four small uh, things were attaching this ceiling to the van. So when we started flipping around, the ceiling just went off. So we were spinning in the highway without a ceiling in our van. And while all of that was going on, I, I have no awareness of the actual practicality of that going on because I was totally somewhere else. Because in, in that experience in the car accident, I really, I went brain, brain dead. And in this one, it's almost like, at least the way I see it, because I had had the first near-death experience. It's like I kind of knew the path already. And I went like immediately somewhere that's that kind of formless. It's, it's in, in the car accident one, I could really feel how it went. Uh, it's like no air was there. I just remember this sensation of, of a lack of air. <laughs> and then I just remember also noticing, oh, I also don't have a body. Um, and then very clear awareness of, oh, I'm actually dying. And then I saw my great uh, grandmother. She just showed up. Uh, again, it's really interesting that she showed up in black and white. It's like, a, it's her, I could see her very well, but it's like black and white image. Um, and I was very happy to see her. She was in front of a very bright, bright light, kind of, um, um, not white light, but kind of yellow, just a strong glow, but also comfortable that I could look <laughs> easily at the light. I saw her then, um, next to her was a very dear friend of mine that had, um, died exactly one year and, uh, a few days before that car accident. And so they were there and they actually got together. And for me, this is really beautiful to be in this very, um, gentle feeling. Uh, it's, it's just a very amazing experience to be out of the body and and for me it felt really comfortable to just be there and I was very attracted to them because these are two of my favorite people of all times and very attracted to that light also um surprised that they were together because they they didn't meet um in life 
um, I, I just remember that it, it's not so much like as if my body is being a, kind of propelled somewhere. It, it's more because it's not a body, it's not an embodied experience. It's, it's more like a wave of energy. That's more like how I experienced it. was really attracted to this light. But then this friend who I saw there, he just kind of paused me. He just put his hands in front of me like that and stopped me. It wasn't me like my body, you know, it, but it was like me, like the wave of energy. And when he did that, it's like the wave just kind of hit his hands and was brought back into my my physical body it literally felt like being back like brought back and having to really fit in the physical body again and then i felt physically in the car my then boyfriend like holding my arm and then i started to see what was there i was still not aware that we were in a car accident but i knew i had to move um yeah and then was in a state of <laughs> strangeness for quite some time because this particular experience took a really long time to unpack because it was just really really strong um and while in the one in ecuador i hadn't felt um any sort of pain or anger uh with the possibility of dying then when this one happened uh, on the trip from Morocco, I did feel quite upset because I, um, some of my feelings right after when I was at the hospital, at, at the emergency room and all that, I was really feeling, hold on, I'm doing a lot of things wrong in my life. It, there was just a weight and a clarity of a few things that I had kind of messed up with and I I was really aware of how important it was to not have died then because I had to like correct some things in my life. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. But was was there any like speaking? Did you could you speak to uh, your friend and your great grandmother? Um there was a <laughs> It's, it's not so much as speaking as I was speaking in words. It's more like, like both, like, like through the mind of it, like type thing. Yes. And, and, and more like exchanging love. So it wasn't so much like I'm saying this and this and that, but it was more just kind of loving them, just being there and loving them and appreciating and feeling so grateful and yeah, it's, um, there was something less form-like about that conversation because right? it wasn't really a conversation. It was an exchange, but not so much a conversation yeah. with words. Well, yeah. And when you say about, you saw there was a light in the background, do you think that that's, do you think that that's where they came from? Oh yeah. Could you like, what could you feel towards that light? Uh, you know, that, that light is still, I. Uh, I can still see it or, or remember it very well. Um, yeah, they, they, they came from there definitely. And, um, 
I guess what I could feel was <laughs> everything felt so good there in that uh, realm or in that state. Um, everything just felt good. There was an absolute absence of anything that wasn't pure good. It was, um, and I, I, the more, the closer I got to that light, the more it felt like that. It, it was just intoxicatingly good, <laughs> you know, which was very difficult to actually be pushed back. I'm very glad I, I, I was. You think it was good? Um, Do you think it could have been like a habit? Very... Um... Or some type of form of heaven. Some, I'm, I'm not exactly sure about like heaven, um, or at least what I'm used to think when I think of heaven. But for me, it was very much um, like a joyful, um, free-flowing, shapeless. Um, very benevolent. It just had a very benevolent feeling to it. Um, there were no worries. It was very love-based. For sure, it was very love-based. Um, and there there was just something that... I guess what for me the word heaven makes is... I don't know if it was even something so concrete that I can define it so much, like haven't for me mm -hmm. already makes yeah, it yeah. too concrete. Yeah, yeah, no, I get what you mean, yeah. If that makes sense, wow. yeah. That's, um, that's incredible. So, um... <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was bet, yeah. an amazing experience. I've always said, I would love, <laughs> I would love to have one, that. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want one. <laughs> I'd say... No, exactly, no, exactly. No. I never recommend that you, anyone has one. When you go into one, one it's obviously from they... a bad situation for when you come back. Were you okay after the... Did you have any injuries exactly. or anything after the accident? I had I had injuries, um, but um, nothing nothing so severe. I mean, it's an absolute miracle that I just yeah. had the small injuries. That I needed surgery. I had to relearn how to walk. I had fourteen months of physiotherapy, but for the kind of accident we had, because the the truck was carrying forty tons Ouch. of stuff, so for the kind of accident yeah. we had, it's a miracle. And and my. Um, a boyfriend uh, from that time he wow. had no injury whatsoever so it was really a miracle to be in that yeah. accident and survive wow yeah. so um yeah so i guess we'll move on to the next one then where are we going yes where are we going let's this, move this on um <laughs> okay so now we're going to travel uh down to africa now we're going to go to ethiopia and uh and this one takes us to 2017 October of uh, 2017 and uh, this one feels more violent to me because this one involves uh, human to human interaction uh, that was quite difficult so I was traveling on my own in Ethiopia uh, a place that I really loved and had so many experiences there that I really uh, appreciate. But there was this one day in the very early morning, because buses in, in Ethiopia tend to, to to start at 
like you'll have like only one bus a day that goes somewhere and it goes at six in the morning or sometimes five in the morning. So I was um, leaving my guest house to go to the bus station and it was around five in the morning and it was really dark outside. And again, I had a couple of warnings. This is another thing that's uh, repetitive. Um, the gate, like the, the night before, I couldn't schedule the taxi to pick me up. Like there was just no way. I tried like five times and I couldn't book it. But, you know, I tend to be quite stubborn. So I was like, well, I'm still going to go. So I decide to leave and to walk to the bus station because it's actually quite close. I go to the front gate of the guest house. The front gate is locked. I'm like, I cannot believe it. I, I can't leave this place. I go back to my room. I sit around. I think for a while. I'm like, but I still really want to go. I don't want to stay in this town again. So I wake up. I like go around the guest house trying to see if I can find someone that can open the front door. I find a guy. He opens the door. I leave the guest house. And then usually I always walked in a in a particular street there but I thought well it's my last day in this town I'll go down this cute alley and I turn into this cute dark alley uh, it was actually quite close to the main street where I would just um, walk for like five minutes and I'd be um, at the bus station but as soon as I turn into this little alley uh, a guy jumps like from the from behind he just jumps on me and starts like he grabs me from behind and he holds my shoulders and he immediately starts strangling me so uh i just i know this can be quite hard to hear i just want to say that i'm fine and i'm just going to go through a few details but in the end of all of this i'm really fine but so he jumps on me and he starts to just press my throat uh, with such strength that I could hardly believe that uh, just fingers can actually have so much strength. And so there I am in the middle of the night with this force coming from behind and strangling me. Then the guy throws me down on the ground like with a lot of strength. Like I actually broke one of my molars, one of the back teeth when he... Um, push me to the ground and then we are fighting for quite some time because I'm trying to get myself out of this situation but the really interesting thing is that while all of this mess is going on <laughs> inwardly I'm very present I'm I'm like I'm assessing the whole situation I'm I'm already in a what I think now is the kind of pre near death that because I had already had twice the experience of how it is to reach a near-death experience. I think this was a conscious pre-state of that. And I was uh, starting to have nowhere to breathe, feeling that my st any strength I had left was like leaving my body. And I was thinking to myself, I'm in a neighborhood where people are living, so I'm going to just try to scream. So I had this strategy of just trying to um, pull uh, this guy's uh, fingers from my throat, which now I know, um, having talked with some self-defense experts and uh, my old Krav Maga teacher, that it's really not a way to do it. This particular attack is actually almost impossible to survive. Um, 
So I was trying my best um, and I did manage to get his fingers out of my throat for a little while and I started to scream. And then I, I saw that three young guys uh, got closer because they, they heard the screams and they got close to where we were trying to see what was going on and they didn't do anything. They just stay there watching. And, you know, again, I was very, very conscious inside. So I just remember thinking, okay, I was really like in assessment mode. Okay. My strategy for this failed. And this means that I'm going to die. Um, and then I was really having no more capacity of engaging my body in any movement whatsoever. And then I was just thinking, this is such a silly death because I have, I had a lot of money in my bag. If he wanted money, I could give him money. Um, I'm, I, I'm a friendly person. I could help him in any way. Like, what is this even about? And then as I did that, as I had that reflection, I started to really die. And that's when I really went again into this place. Again, I saw this fire. It's, it's a really interesting presence, this kind of fire. Um, and I started to recognize, oh, this is the beginning of the death process. Uh, I am really going to die. And there was a, a surrendering to the process that I think came from already knowing what would come afterwards. And so I start to surrender and then there comes again, it wasn't so much the clear light like I saw in the car accident, but it was the more, I could see it more in the shape of, it wasn't a very well-defined tunnel, but it was a sort of tunnel where I could see the light, but much more distance in, in a much bigger distance than what I had experienced in the car accident. But again, I felt quite relaxed. And I think here it's a mix of my actual body here was totally, it was getting inanimate because no air was passing through. Um, you know, I couldn't breathe at all. And then when I really surrender and I just start feeling, okay, this was a very silly death. Um, I could have just stayed and have breakfast and here I am setting off to the bus station really early on. What am I even doing when I'm, uh, exploring the world like this? And now for no apparent reason, uh, a person I haven't even seen the face of is going to kill me and this is how I'm going to go. And then I started to go. There was really more than in any of the other times there was a surrendering that in this time it actually felt like I was sinking into something deeper. Um, there was something actually comforting in that sinking. It was quite a good feeling to kind of let go. But then when I did, there was a, a force that came into me that I, I, I promise you it could not be me and my physical force because I couldn't do anything else. I had like, there was blood everywhere, but something inanimated me, animated me and I just gained strength again. And then I could pull this guy's fingers like quite a distance from my, which is like 
again, very unlikely. Uh, I'm on the floor with this guy on top of me. I managed to pull the fingers away from my throat and I scream as hard as I, I have no clue how such sounds could come out of me. It was just so loud. And then an old guy comes out of a house. He, um, he has a walking stick and he comes, uh, fairly close to us, not super close, but fairly close to us and starts like pushing with the, the walking stick and the guy behind me just disappears. And then it's just me and this old guy. And I, I just like thank the guy and I just start walking and I go to the main street and all the time I had to hold my hat because uh, my the muscles in my neck didn't work for the next um, 10 days to two weeks. But again, I was just incorporating how close and how sudden, like how easy it is like the transition between here and that other place and how sudden it can be without having any clear justification. You know, it's nothing like, oh, I've done something wrong and therefore I'm going to die. Or, um, I'm, you know, it's not like in my experience, it happens like, uh, it's not punishment. It's not, it, it, for me, it's always felt like it's this call, like it's this experience that just reminds me of how between here and the other side, it's actually quite a thin line. And that experience made me appreciate that so much more. It just brought my entire life into focus. Things that maybe I would leave for later. I now am like, no, we have to do this. We have to do it. Um, Anytime I say goodbye to someone, I make sure, like, I always know it might be the last time. It's not a heavy or, uh, I don't have a bad feeling around that. It's just, I just know it, right? Because it could, we can just die, like, suddenly, without any explanation yeah. for it. Wow. Well, that experience really had a super, I mean, again, I'm not happy I had it. I'm not... I, I hope specifically with that one, I hope this never happens to anyone ever again. It's a very awful experience, but I do appreciate what I've done with the experience and what I, where I took it and how it, I turned it into developing more of my spiritual life and more, and more of my life. Wow, that's even. incredible. Yeah. And I'm obviously sorry to hear, hear about it. So it's not, not a very nice experience to have to go through as well. It happens, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. quite sad, really. Um, it is quite sad. Like the if we look at it from you know from this eyes here that see you know our physical life and you know someone traveling, how is this going to happen? It is properly awful, like terrible, terrible experience. But um, if I see the other side, where actually having gone through that experience has changed my life in ways that I'm very happy yeah. to have seen wow. my life being changed. Such incredible stories. Yeah. And obviously you, 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 you help a lot of people yeah. now. So with your job. Yes. I, I, I have to say that I, I believe that, uh, holding that space where I've been 
industry experiences and knowing that line between here and the other side, um, knowing that place of grace, of love, of ease, uh, really helps when I, when I do my psychotherapy work. I, I, I can guarantee you that it, it really helps when I, I work with a lot of people who went through trauma and knowing that space of grace for someone that lives with a lot of suffering, even if I don't tell my story, if I just hold that space when I'm working with someone, I, I have seen it really. Oh, that's great. That's really good. Yeah. So we're coming to the end now. So I just want to, um, <clears throat> first of all, I want to thank you for sharing your stories with us and, um, Next is just could you just explain a little bit on where anyone can find you if they wanna if they wanna reach out to you and then what you've got coming up as well. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having this platform where we can share these important stories. And uh, so if anyone wants to find me, uh, you can go to my website, ritatojal.com. So that's R-I-T-A-T-O-J-A-L dot com. And um, actually, everything is linked there. So there you can find my one-on-one -on -one sessions, my trips. There's a blog. There are a bunch of free resources. So everything is kind of based there. Or also on Instagram with rita.tojo. Well, I hope, I hope people check you out because just some you do some incredible work. Mercy. That's okay. Mm, thank you so much. <laughs> That's okay. Well, um, well, I'm going to let you go. And um, I look forward to talking to you in the future. Yes. Bye. Bye, quite.